We got a Christmas tree up here on the stage tonight. How many of you does this stress out that this is up here? Anybody here, if you're just honest, you looked at that, you're like, oh no, it's just too early. Don't do it, Doug, right? Seven Sundays left. Seven Sundays left till Christmas. That's pretty intense. Now we're not kicking off our Christmas series. As much as I love Christmas, you guys know I love Christmas. We're gonna we're really gonna go for it in December. We have some amazing things planned for celebrating Christmas and leading up to it in December that Andrew and the team are working on. But tonight we have something to talk about when it comes to this Christmas tree, because here's, here's what's true. When you're a kid, and I think most of you can remember back to this, or you've seen it in your own kids, and here's what I, here's what I want to say. Most of us, here's what we think when we see the Christmas presents. Well, first of all, we have two different ways of putting stuff out, okay? How many of your parents waited until the morning of Christmas to put the stuff out? Just put, raise your hands right here, okay? So they didn't trust you. Just wanted you guys to know that. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. All right, so, all right, that was the deal with you. Okay, now how many of you guys, your parents put them out early? Okay, put them out early. Okay, and how many of them shouldn't have? All right, just wondering out there. Okay, yeah, all right, Andre, all right, cool, man. All right, so when you guys see the Christmas presents, whether it's morning of or it's leading up to, here's what we all think when we're kids. We all think every gift under the tree is for us, right? And we're imagining what each one is, right? We're imagining, oh, this is that one, and this is that one. I mean, my kids, I'm sure, do this. When they, they run into my, my dad's house Christmas morning, they run into Papa and Grandma's house Monday morning, and, and they see the gifts under the tree, and they think, oh, okay, this, you know, Landon's thinking, okay, this is my Batman house, and that's my Batman guys, and that's my Batman cape, and that's my Batman this. And, and Brittany's like, oh, that's my Barbie dream house, and these are my Barbies, and that's how I can dress up like her. And Cade's like, that's a huge gaming console, you know, and they just go through their list because they think every gift under the tree is theirs. And here's what they believe, and here's why they believe it, because they deserve them all. Why wouldn't they all be for them, right? Of course they're all for them. They're, they're great kids, right? They're looking at themselves, I'm a good kid, of course. I mean, I remember thinking this way when I was a kid. At my house, we would go over to my, my grandma's house, and we had the whole family together, and I'd run into the room, and there was all the gifts under the tree, and I would think to myself, those are all mine. I am so pumped, and I began doing the same thing, just imagining what each one is. Now, the thing that's funny about that situation for me was I was the only kid in the family for four years, okay? So for four Christmases, literally almost every present under the tree was for me. And so I'm looking and I'm imagining how great things are, you know. And I remember this one Christmas when I was a little bit older, I got there and I started ripping open the presents and I opened up this last present and I was so excited about it. It was this big dart gun and it came with the darts and it was just huge. I remember just thinking it was amazing and I was so excited. And my great grandma, who had a better beard than I do now, um, she said, she said, I'm sorry, I'm a little, you'll see why I'm a little upset, okay? I had to get that out. Um, don't worry, she's not related to my dad. Um, and, and she... She says, Dougie, you didn't open that one, did you? And I said, well, why wouldn't I have opened that one? They're all for me. I deserve all these gifts. Why? I've opened all of them every year. What's the problem? She says, that's for your cousin Brian. And two thoughts. First, please shave. Um, secondly, um, <laughs> I don't have a cousin named Brian. And she goes, oh, your distant cousin Brian's coming. You, you've never met him before. You've never seen him. I may have changed his name just in case he's here tonight. Um, he, he's coming. No, he's not really here. He's, he's coming, okay? And that gift is for him. So I had to try and rewrap the gift to my best ability and give the gift to Brian. And here's what I remember thinking. Great grandma, don't you love me? Like, why would you let that happen? All the gifts should, should be for me. I deserve every last gift that there is. Now, here's what happens as we get older. We begin to realize that's kind of a crazy notion, right? We begin to realize when we first walk in, 
These gifts are all not for me. I don't deserve all these gifts, okay? But here's what I think happens. In life, we kind of act like we did when we were little kids around the Christmas tree on Christmas morning. In life, we do. See, here's what we think. We think in our relationship with God, we think to ourselves, okay, I basically deserve all the gifts that God has to give me. I deserve all the gifts under the Christmas tree. I deserve all these amazing things from God. I deserve perfect health, perfect families, perfect friends, perfect job environments, perfect schooling. These are things that are basically owed to me. All the presents under the tree. I just deserve them. And the other thing that's true is we also think this. If God's good, we think this. I don't deserve the bad. I don't deserve the other things. I mean, when we think about Christmas and we think about presents and and stuff, when we think about what happens when we don't act so well, we don't do what we're supposed to, we think of coal, right? We think of getting coal in our stocking, right? Which would be a horrible experience. Hope no one here has ever gotten coal in their stocking. But we think we deserve all the gifts and we don't deserve any of this. We don't deserve any of the bad. We don't deserve any issues in our relationships. We don't deserve any sickness. We don't deserve anyone dying that we care for. We don't deserve any of that stuff because if God is good, why would any of this stuff happen? You see, we deserve this stuff. We deserve laughter. We deserve fun. We deserve joy. We deserve great sports. We deserve, right, we deserve for our sports team to win every week. That's what we pray for them, right? Meanwhile, we've got other people praying in other cities against our team. How does God work that one out? Don't know. But we deserve all the good. We deserve Dr. Pepper, right? I mean, we deserve salted caramel hot chocolate, right? All the good. And we don't deserve the bad. We don't deserve the car accidents and losing our job and country music. Uh, all the bad, all the broken things in life are represented by this bag right here, okay? Craig, I love you. Uh, we don't deserve any of these things. That's, that's what we think. Now, now, here's the thing. Many of us at a theological level understand that the statements I'm saying aren't true. Many of us understand, okay, I, I know like that's not really true, but, but here's what I want to challenge you with. If you, if you know in your head that's not true, just check your heart for a second. Because my guess is, some of us who know in our heads that God can be good and still sometimes have us go through some difficult things, we know that God can be good and not always get the presence. Isn't it true? I know it's true for me. I'll just be honest with you guys. I know it's true for me sometimes when I don't only get presence and I sometimes get really hard difficulties that I can quickly turn on God. That in my heart I can quickly say, if you're good, if you're real, then how is this happening right now? Often we look at the difficulties and we say, maybe you're not good. Maybe you're not there. You're certainly not doing your job. And things in our heart began to very, very quickly change. I've had several friends who have turned their back on God completely because they had some difficulty in their life. They went through some terrible things. And I'm not minimizing what they went through, and I'm not minimizing what you have gone through. I'm just simply saying that so often we say if difficulty is part of the equation, then I can't see how God is God or God is good or how he's doing the job he's supposed to be doing because what I think I deserve is only the good. Is that true? Is that right? You see, here's what I know. I I would guess... There are several of you here tonight that are really struggling in your relationship with God because you're going through something really hard right now. And you are sitting there going, God, I thought I'd be married by now. I thought I'd have kids by now. I thought I'd have a job by now. I thought that this relationship never would have ended, and it did. 
I never thought I'd lose that person. And you're really struggling. And there are several hurdles. And it feels like maybe for some of you, you're like jumping the hurdles every single time you try to open your Bible. Every single time you try to pray, every time you come to church, like maybe you even get to the place where you can feel close to God for a little while, but you gotta jump those hurdles again tomorrow morning, don't you? Because you gotta keep coming back. Is he good or isn't he? Is he there or isn't he? Is he doing his job or isn't he? And there's, there's others of us from there. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus or maybe you were. I know a lot of people who were followers of Jesus that have turned their back on God because of difficulties in their lives. And, and, and I wanna say something to you that's very quick here right now to help us jump over one hurdle so that you can hear the rest of the message. And here's a huge hurdle I think we need to jump over, and, and Tim Keller helps us get there. Here's what Tim Keller said about hardship and suffering. He said, if you're not a follower of Jesus or you don't believe in God because of suffering in your life, then just think about this. You've gotten rid of God, but you haven't dealt with the suffering. Now just think about that. Some of us are, are so angry at God that we've removed him from the equation. But guess what? We still suffer. What have you really accomplished? You've just simply taken away the hope. You still suffer. I still suffer no matter what I decide about God. So removing God from the equation really does nothing for you and I. In fact, it only hurts us. So let's jump that first hurdle. So now let's talk the rest of the mess. So what do we do? Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, whether tonight we're talking new information for you or this is stuff you know in your head and in your heart you've been wrestling a little bit with lately. What do we do about this whole idea that we only deserve this, we only deserve the presence, and we don't deserve any of the call, we don't deserve any of the difficulties? Well, we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about this because the Bible helps us make some good sense out of this and puts things, I think, in amazing, amazing perspective. So Paul we talk about often here, wrote a lot of the Bible, is talking to some of his friends in a place called Ephesus, and he kind of helps them understand something about themselves. He's reminding them of something that's really, really important if we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about tonight. So he says in Ephesians 2, verse 1, and we're going to read three verses and then break it down. He says, you were once dead because of your failures and sins. You followed the ways of this present world and its spiritual ruler. This ruler continues to work in people who refuse to obey God. Now, verse 3 is super important. You ready? All of us once lived among these people and followed the desires of our corrupt nature. We did what our corrupt desires and thoughts wanted us to do. You know what Paul's doing here? He's bringing everybody in together. He's making one big group out of every person who has ever lived and will ever live. And here's what he's saying. Every one of us have sinned. Every one of us have done what's wrong. We've responded to that corrupt nature, which we talked about recently, right? We've done the things we, we didn't really want to do sometimes, and sometimes we're just full in, and we full in want to do what's wrong. You know, I can tell you there's times in my life, you know, in, in my past, especially, especially my late teens and early college years, there was a ton of just sexual impurity. There was a ton of lust. There was a ton of that junk in my heart. I can tell you now there are times when pride, when a temper, when anger, when when jealousy, when insecurity, when fear can come out of my heart. And so Paul's just leveling the playing field. He's going, look, I don't care who you are, what you've done, where you've been, what, you know, how great you think you are, how religious you think you are or aren't. All of us have gotten ourselves into a place 
we've responded to our corrupt nature and we've sinned and we've, we've turned our back on God. Now here is why that's so important because this leads us to actually what we deserve. See, all these verses are just a buildup. He's reminding us, okay, this is where we all came from. Now let's talk what we deserve because you and I came in thinking or at least feeling in our heart that we only deserve the presence and none the difficulties. But what he says in the next part of verse three is so powerful. He says, so because of our nature, we deserved, we want to talk about what we deserve, we deserved God's anger, just like everyone else. So you and I think, I deserve this, I deserve the gifts, I deserve all the blessings of God, and I don't deserve any of these difficulties. And here's what God says, and this is exactly upside down, which usually is right for us and God. Usually we have it backwards. He says, no, if you want to talk truth, you deserve only this, and you deserve none of that. In fact, it's even worse than that. I'm sorry to give you some bad news today. We're going to get to good news, but, but bad news is really it's not just that we deserve car accidents and brokenness and sadness and broken relationships and, and firings from our jobs and you know, mortgage issues and student debt, and, and it's, not, it's not just the difficulties. It's, it's actually what we deserve is instantly in eternity separation, separated from God. That's a, if we want to talk about deserve tonight, if, if you want to talk about me standing before God and looking at him in the face and saying, God, let me tell you a thing or two. Let me tell you about what I deserve. See, I deserve good. I deserve only good. And he would look back and go, Doug, you deserve only hell. You deserve only separation for me. I mean, let's just talk about for what it really is. That is what you're owed from me. Well, why is this true? Why is this true? Well, it's true because of our sin. It's true because of how we've turned our backs on God, right? And so some of us are saying, well, I'm basically a good person though. Well, compared to who, right? I mean, we can all find some slob that's, you know, worse than us. That's kind of easy. Just go to Walmart, right? I mean, that's just kind of easy, right? We can... <laughs> can all do that pretty quickly. Well, you know, meet thereafter if you want and just make ourselves feel a little better, you know? I'm fully clothed. I'm not so bad. This is pretty good here. All right. That joke will catch up with you. That's right. Um, but who, who, who are we comparing ourselves with, right? Who are we comparing ourselves? Well, God is who we have to compare ourselves with. God says this in Romans 3.23. He says, all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, the glory of God is this perfection, okay? It's perfection. So if you and I haven't been perfect, then we've fallen short. I had the honor recently of being the best man at Joey and Jess's wedding, and I told this story about Joey, and I have this great picture of him up here, and, and this is us on a hike when he's probably like 14 or 15 years old, and if you see this hike, this is Bear Mountain, and, and our whole youth group was over here on this side of the rock, and he saw this spot in the river, and he's like, I could make that. And I knew in my head he couldn't, but I was like, I think you can, man. Yeah, go for it, bro. That would be awesome. And here I am talking about like 10 years later. So this is great. It worked out, right? And so he runs and he takes this leap and he jumps and you can see his boot fell off midair behind him. See that? That's what that obstruction is there. And I will tell you this, Joey tried really hard, but he fell short of the glory of the riverbank. All right. And he landed in the river 
And what's important about this is knowing that there's really no almost in this scenario, okay? Like either you make it to the riverbank or you fall on your face. There's no almost, there's no, I almost had it. No, dude, you, even if you did, you looked funny. It was great. I'm going to show a picture in 10 years actually about this, all right? And so this is really you and I. This is us leaping like, I'll try, I'll give it my all, I'll do my best, I'm going to try and do all the good things to outweigh all the bad things, and we always, always, always fall short. And there's no almost. None of us here almost are right there by the glory of God. We all fail miserably. We're all terribly, terribly far away. And so we think we deserve that. We deserve only that and worse because of our sin. Now, some of you guys are saying, but God can you just let it go? Can you just let it go? I mean, if he's good and if he's God and he can do whatever he wants, can you just let our sin go? Can you just sweep it under the rug? I mean, if he's good and he's loving, what's the problem? Well, let's think about this just even from our own human perspective for a second. There was a guy named Guy Hines. In this past year, he killed eight people, young people, old people, kids. And he was recently brought up on all the charges and he was convicted of murder on eight accounts. And he ended up being sentenced to life in prison. And every single one of us says, that's just. That's just. This guy did this. He needs to pay for it. Can you imagine if while the judge was hearing everything and the, the verdict came back in guilty, he, he just looked at the guy and said, you know, I'm feeling generous today. Let's just sweep this under the carpet. No one's going to pay for it. You just, you just go on your way. What would have happened? Public outrage. What have, everybody would have said, atheists, agnostics, Muslims, Jews, Buddhists, Christians, everyone would have gotten together and said, this is not what? Just. And the same is true for God. God's just. So when, when he looks at our sin, my sin included, he says, I can't just sweep this under the carpet and what you deserve is my anger. But then we get to verse four. It says, but God is rich in mercy because of his great love for us. So you deserve God's anger, but he's given you this love. And every single good thing you have in your life is a gift. And guys, I just want to tell you, there are millions of these in every single one of our lives. All of us have so many gifts from God. And here's what we have to get tonight. We don't deserve one of them. All we deserve is God's anger. All we deserve is pain. All we deserve is separation from God. And God is saying, look, I love you. I'm going to give you gift after gift. I'm going to just do what only I can do in giving you what you don't deserve, giving you the exact opposite of what you deserve. And that, that word mercy in the Greek means undeserved kindness. That's the mercy of God. See, The reason you enjoy sports, the reason you love music, the reason you have a great girlfriend or boyfriend, the reason you have a great family, the reason you have a job, the reason you drive a car, the reason you have a house, every ounce of that and all the billion other good things that have happened in your life, all of that is because of the grace and the mercy and the love of God, which is the exact opposite of what you and I deserve. How did he do this? How did he accomplish this for us? Verse five says, we were dead 
because of our failures, but he made us alive together with Christ. It is God's kindness that saved you. How did God do this? How, how did God do this for you and I? He said, okay, you owe everything. You have sinned against me, and therefore you deserve nothing but anger, and someone has to pay because I'm just. Someone has to pay. And so God says, I will send my son to pay. I will send my son to stand in your place. I will send my son to do what you cannot do. Though you deserve his penalty, though you deserve what he'll take for you, I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. I'm going to give you love and mercy and kindness. And so you and I go, well, wait, that's because we kind of deserved it, right? I mean, no, 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 no. We got to keep coming back to this. We got to keep coming back to the truth that we deserve nothing but God's anger. Another translation says wrath. That's what we should have gotten. That's what would have been right for every one of us to get. But God keeps saying gift after gift after gift. I'm going to give you the exact opposite of what you deserve. Now let's take it a little bit further because I love this. These next few verses, we have to realize it wasn't just that God paid for our debt. Then he goes like way beyond our debt. And this is really important. Look at verse six. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So there will be a day, though you and I completely 100% don't deserve it, we will be in heaven with Jesus. We don't deserve to be there. We don't deserve to be seated with him. Have you ever been somewhere and you're seated with somebody really important? You're like, I can't believe I get to sit here right now. You're gonna be seated with Jesus. The exact opposite of what you deserve. And then in verse seven, amazing verses. In order, so you're going to be seated with Jesus in order, or so that this is so that this happens, so that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Do you know what that means? For the rest of eternity, you know what God's goal is going to be? To keep showing you how great he is to keep showing you more and more grace, to keep giving you present after present. Eternity is just going to be, here's some more of me. Here's a little bit more. I know, I know you don't deserve this, but I'm just going to give you another one and then another one. And I'm just going to continue to show my goodness and my love and all that I am. That's what eternity will be. Every once in a while, I like to take my son Cade out to a late night movie. It's just like a special thing I like to do with him sometimes. It's something I think he'll remember forever, you know? And so... I love to tell Kelly about my plan because I, I love this plan. I love this. I get excited about this. So I told, I t- I'll tell Kelly, I'll say, hon, um, if it's okay with you, please give me permission. No, I'm kidding. She's awesome. Um, if it's okay with you, I don't ever bow. Um, uh, uh, please, if it's okay with you, I'm going to take Kate out. We'll get all the kids to bed and I'm going to take Kate out and it's going to be awesome. I'll, I, you know, everyone will fall asleep and then I'll wake him up like 10 o'clock, 10.30, right? And everyone will be out and we'll sneak him out and we'll get him all dressed up. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to wake him up and be like, we're going to see G.I. Joe. And he'll be like, oh, am I dreaming? You know, and I'll take him, we'll get him dressed and then we'll get him in the car and we're going to buy soda at 12 o'clock and we're going to get popcorn and, and everything else we can get at midnight. It's going to be great on purpose just because we shouldn't normally do it. We're going to do it. It's going to be awesome and get him all caffeined up and then you can put him to bed. Well, yeah, no, I'm kidding. And, and it's just going to be great, right? And I get all excited about the plan, and then we carry out the plan, and it's great. And I don't know about you, but when I read these verses, I almost hear a similar conversation going on. I'm just making this up, okay? I don't know. I hear God almost telling the angels or, or telling somebody, you know what I'm going to do for those people? Though they don't deserve it, 
Though they've all sinned, though they all deserve my anger and my wrath, though they deserve eternal separation from me, though they deserve difficulty after difficulty and punishment after punishment, you know what I'm going to do? When they're at their worst, I'm going to send my son. And my son's going to go, and he's going to walk among them for 33 years, and and he's going to feel all the temptation they feel, and he's going to be treated horribly and he's going to know what it's like to have all these human feelings and temptations and all that stuff and then they're going to turn on him and they're going to put him on a cross and he's going to die in their place paying their penalty and then he's going to raise back from the dead and then he's going to have a relationship with them and then for all eternity I'm just going to keep on giving these people gifts I'm going to keep on showing them my glory my goodness, my kindness, my mercy, my love. And it's exactly everything that they don't deserve. See, I just think maybe a conversation happened like that. That's exactly what God's plan is. That's what God has done for you and I and will continue to do for you and I. And what I want you guys really to catch, the bottom line, the main thread that runs through all this really comes right out of these verses. And it's this thought. I deserve God's anger, but he's given me his mercy and love. As clear as we can make it tonight. I deserve, we deserve God's anger, but he's given us his mercy and his love. If you walked in here tonight thinking, I deserve the gifts, I deserve the mercy and the love, and I don't deserve any of the anger, I don't deserve any of that stuff, it's the exact opposite of what you thought and what you felt and what I may feel sometimes. His desire for all eternity is to give you what you don't deserve. And here's what I think. I think a message like this, what it ought to do to us it ought to help us drop the attitude we have with God. It ought to help us be able to jump some of those hurdles that we have to get to. The next time you open up your Bible and that hurdle is there, is God good? Is he real? Is he loving? Is he doing his job? I hope that hurdle is gone because you are looking at the Bible going, I don't deserve one thing written about this God. I don't deserve one thing written about me because of what this God has done. The next time you go to worship, the next time you go to pray and you feel, again, oh, I don't know if he's there, I don't know if he's real, I, I lost this person or that relationship broke or I'm still sick or just doesn't seem like God answers my prayer, maybe I'm doing it wrong or, wait a minute, I deserve God's anger, but he's given me his love. Now, maybe some of you guys have an objection and I think this is a really valid objection. Some of you guys are thinking, okay, Doug, you're talking about all the gifts that God wants to give us and all the things that God wants to do in our lives, but we all know something. We all know that even though we have a relationship with Jesus, and maybe you don't yet, but you're looking into God and you're trying to figure this out, even in a relationship with God, we still get some cold, don't we? We still have some difficulties. Some of the people that I know that are closest to Jesus still go through some really hard things. And so I think the truth is that we have to realize that life looks more like this. Lots of presents and some coal. Lots of gifts, lots of things we don't deserve and some difficulties. But here's what I need you to see. I need you to see that every single difficulty in our lives, God eventually turns into a gift. Every single thing that you and I go through, every hard thing that we just can't wrap our minds around. Why did this have to happen? Why couldn't God just answer that prayer? Why did he have to do it that way? 
eventually, as we look back, as we stay near him, as we trust him, as we say, he's given me what I don't deserve, we eventually see that God is working every difficulty out for the good of those who love him. So tonight, as you think about the gifts in your life, and you think about the difficulties in your life, as you think about the presence and you think about some of the coal, I think you can know tonight that God is good, that God is loving, and that you and I receive continually his undeserved kindness. During the Great Depression, there was a a mayor in New York City who really cared for the people. He was hurting for the people that were hurting. He took care of orphans. He took care of people that didn't have food. And, and one day, and Jess, I don't know how this works, but it's some kind of lawyer thing or some judge thing or mayor thing. I don't know how he pulled this off. But he walked into a courtroom and he looked at the judge and he said, you know what, today I'm going to reside over the case. I don't know if you can do that or not, but he, he did it. He's the mayor. So he's sitting there and he's listening to all the cases. And eventually this woman walks up, this old woman, grandmother, and she says, I'm being you know, brought here today because I stole some bread. And you got the, the bakery owner on the other side. And she was suing, and this is a lot of money, I guess, back in during the Great Depression, but she was suing this woman for $10 for stealing a loaf of bread. And the, the mayor is sitting, and he's listening to all this, and he hears the grandmother's story. And the grandmother says, I did steal the bread. She says, my, my daughter's husband left us, and I have two granddaughters, and they were starving. So yes, I stole the bread. And the baker owner kind of, you know, was thrilled that she had admitted her guilt. And, and so the judge looks at her and he says, well, then you're guilty of what you did. And as he was saying it, he took out $10 and he handed it to the bakery owner. But then he said, I got to do something else, though. I gotta, I'm going to charge, I'm going to fine every person sitting in the seats in this courtroom of 50 cents. Because we live in a city where an old grandmother had to steal a loaf of bread so her granddaughters wouldn't starve. And he collected all those, all those items of 50 cents each and, and gave them to the woman, even the bakery owner. He took the 50 cents from her, which I'm sure she loved. And, and he gave all the money, all the proceeds that they had gotten that day to the woman who was guilty. And you know what? You and I have been treated just like that by God. See, God didn't just pay your debt. He didn't just pay your $10. He didn't just say, I'm going to die for them so that they will be forgiven. He didn't just say, okay, I'm going to die for them so that they'll have these miserable lives and, and all they'll have is coal and difficulty, but someday they'll be in eternity. No, he, he died for us, and then he, he gave us gift, guys, after gift, after gift, here and now. And so what I want you to do, if you're a follower of Jesus, over the next several minutes, what I want you to do is I want you to repent for the attitude, if you've had one. I want you to look to God. I know I gotta do this sometimes. God, I've been in your face. I've been acting like I deserve good from you and only good. God, would you just forgive me for that attitude? And then here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin to name, and I want you to do it right here tonight, just quietly in your heart. In a few minutes, when the band comes up, I want you to begin to name the gifts God's given you here and now. I think the first one is Jesus, the most important gift. But then I want you to start thinking about all the other things that God has done for you because all of them are the exact opposite of what we deserve. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, 
I want to give you an opportunity to respond to God. Because maybe tonight for the first time, you're starting to see how he can be loving and good. Maybe you're starting to see for the first time that he's gracious and merciful. And maybe all along, you and I, we've been shaking our fists at God. When in reality, he's the one, and really the only one, who got what he didn't deserve. He was perfect. He was pure. He was holy. He was full of the glory God, hadn't fallen short like you and I. And yet he was the one that was punished. So you and I, we deserve God's anger, but we've been given his mercy and love. Let's pray. So God, we come to you tonight just thankful. We don't always understand why things happen, and we certainly aren't trying to make small of anybody's suffering or difficulties tonight. But God, we just come to you just knowing that we really need your help. I know that there are people in this room right now who have suffered greatly, who have lost loved ones, who currently are sick, who have terrible financial situations, who have horrible home situations, and the list goes on and on. And God, those are difficulties, and they're hard. But God, tonight, we have to come to realize together that we've been given what we do not deserve. So God, would you help us recognize the gifts, and because of that, just be able to love the giver, free us up, bring healing. So if you're a follower of Jesus, would you do what I asked you to do a minute ago? Would you, if you've had an attitude with God, would you just repent of that? If you've been shaking your fist at God in any way, would you just ask him to forgive you? And then would you begin to name the gifts he's given you? And if you're not a follower of Jesus tonight, I just want to let you respond if you'd like to. No pressure. But if you want to put your trust in Jesus tonight, if you want to look to him as your savior, as the one who died in your place, wants to give you mercy and love and grace that you don't deserve, then would you just pray something like this just quietly in your heart to him, Jesus? Thank you for coming for me. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place. Thank you for taking what I don't deserve. My sin, my guilt, my shame. Thank you for giving me instead mercy, love, grace, kindness. God, would you just show me how real you are? Would you remove any hurdles that are between me and you so that I can know you as my Savior and my God. Thank you for treating me in a way I don't deserve.